Gaming Blues Podcast. Esports Edition. Back after a long ass time, this is another episode of the Gaming Blues Podcast. Kind of esports edition. We'll see how it goes. Alright, it's been a long time. Roughly about a couple of months. I've been off mostly busy with conference work. But since the conference has kind of slowed down a bit and the whole, you know, the corona, um, the coronavirus outbreak hitting the entire world right now, I've been set to work from home. So I have more time to actually make content. And this episode is about just that, making content right now for esports. Before that, this podcast is available on many um, podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbean, and probably any other podcast platform you can think of. Mash that follow button, leave me feedback, and look forward to... Well, you know what? I'm not going to promise anything. You will get updates to new episodes when you get them. At this point in time, I have failed to actually properly coordinate when I should record content and release them, so I will try my best to basically record whenever I get an idea for a podcast or an episode and just launch it ASAP because I find at this point while quality is over quantity you know I'm still need to get my like name out there so I think doing both releasing quality content but at at a large uh, quantity will be good for me so follow me and you will basically get updates whenever I make content alright today's episode is all about the the current working conditions in terms of like what everyone's doing in esports right now. So because of the coronavirus, every single or I would say most major and minor sporting events has been canceled and or moved to playing without an audience. And this also affected esports scene as well, where initially it started in the LPL and LCK of League of Legends, where they took a couple of weeks, even months of a hiatus in term uh, in order to protect the health of the players and the fans and the casters and all the staff by basically ordering them to stay home and not go outside in order to contain the virus this also spread out through the north american region and europe and everyone um, everywhere else in the world and we have witnessed the shutdown of the overwatch league the call of duty league the nalcs eu lcs um, I'm pretty sure any other Europe, um, like the Oceania leagues, even the Japanese leagues have all shut down because of the virus. We are slowly getting back to, you know, going back on like the playing schedule again. But again, with the virus not fully contained or not even getting close to being contained, we are mo- uh, moving to a system where similar to real sports, where they will play in offline stadiums or online. I think I'm wrong about the playing offline without an audience, I think for a past that point. So every game, at least for the LCK starting on the 26th, as I am reading this tweet right now, will be held online. The shutdown of the leagues brought a big problem for freelancer content creators out there, who some of them I met them in real life, really nice people. And since they rely on, you know, being actually at the events and conducting interviews um, or talking to a variety of people, recording footages, 
and since the matches aren't happening, they lost their one source of gathering, you know, the footage or the content they need to make their content. And I see a lot of people trying to make content in this amidst the time of like crisis we have. Um, one example I can think of is Ashley King, who runs, I don't know if she runs it, she runs the Horizon.net, and she is an interviewer in the LCK, freelancer, um, worked with ESPN numerous times for world's coverage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I see her take, you know, the initiative, initiative to conduct online interviews with NALCS players during when the LCK was down. And I think that's a brilliant approach and she's trying to make the best of the situation and try to make content and she's actually doing it like in NA time too. That means she's basically like flipping her sleeping schedule or not even getting sleep at all. And I think that's very commendable because she's trying to adjust in the time of need or not, not the time of need, like in the time of crisis and still trying to, you know, make content. Now here's where things get interesting. We are at a time where nothing is happening and some people, especially freelancers are feeling it. But at the same time, I think right now is the best time for anyone who wants to get into esports in terms of making content, uh, becoming a writer, uh, making video content. I'm not sure how far you can do for interviews, but in general, making content, I think right now is the best time to either prep for making content in the future or to actually make think of content like right now. And here's why. Major events are on hold right now and they will resume within a week. LCK being the first to come back. I think LPL has already um, resumed back to their schedule by playing online. And I think NALCS and EULCS or LEC, sorry, will also resume their schedule. And Overwatch League will also conduct their matches online. And I would expect the Call of Duty League will follow suit as well, along with any other leagues, um, the CSGO. And also for other esports such as Rainbow Six and Rocket League. And I know for a fact that a lot of people over the world right now are at home because they are either being told by their government to stay at home or their workplace has, you know, told them to stay home amidst so they can contain the virus. And I, for one, appreciate anyone who is working. And please be kind as they have to deal with bullshit such as hoarders. Now, going back to the content. With all the leagues on hold, there are also new things that are happening. Call of Duty League is relatively new. I think they played a couple of weeks. Um, just played a couple of, like, cup matches. But that is still relatively new. That launched early this year, I think. A new league for CSGO started... A flashpoint that is spearheaded by um, Duncan Thorne Shields, um, Christopher Monte Cristo Michaels, and getting help from I think other uh, big team owners such as Envy and Legal um, Riot Games' new game Valorant is also in the horizon. Apparently supposed to launch in summer, summer 2020. So you have existing esports games and circuits, and you have all these new ones popping up. So you have a lot of areas where a new content creator can make content for. And especially since the matches aren't happening, this is like a perfect time to actually start prepping. Maybe like a timeline or think of content or topics that you may want to cover. And once the league resumes and new things are come out, you're ready to make the content. 
and I'm saying this because this is basically what, what I've been doing for the past week ish. And since I got my all like new computer set up, got my basically my work set up. And since I'm working from home, I'd have to like travel two hours for commute. I have actually the time to make content, which is great. Now, before or if you're the first time listener, thank you for listening. If you're existing listener or anyone, you might be thinking that who are you to give advice where you have little Twitter followers and or have made content consistently yourself. You are absolutely right. But at the same time, I think it is a unanimous opinion or thought amongst the community that esports content has been more like more the same throughout. It's always um, the like a main has doing podcasts. It's always like mini document series here and there. It's either like match highlights. Like there hasn't been much new content to speak of. And I think this is a very, this is very different compared to when I started making esports content back in like, oh, I don't know, like three or four years ago. Like when I started content, I literally did it because I was in Japan for an internship and I was like super bored. And I thought to myself, okay, I have all this free time literally because I can't go anywhere because I don't speak the language. What can I do in this time? And at the time, you know, League of Legends eSports uh, e was really big and was the like, more popular ones next to CSGO. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I actually start making content? And since I didn't have the like necessary equipment to video edit per se, I resorted to writing. And the first thing I wrote was I wrote about the favorite players I liked at the time. And the players that interested me the most at the time was any Korean players that came over from Korea, basically, because that's when the big Korean exodus happened where people flocked to China or N.A., uh, even to this day, in my short-ass writing career, the most popular thing I wrote was about uh, Lust Boy when he first became a player for TSM. And I even had the... <laughs> well, like the one-time one glory of being in the front page of League Reddit because I wrote about... Well, I think it's because of what I wrote about TSM. That's how I made the front page. But at the same time, the analysis of like how well the topic of the TSM article was uh, basically some comes down to why Lust Boy is like the best uh, Korean import in terms of not his playing level. I mean, at the he was really good too, but it was more like analyzing his ability and his effort to learn Korean or learn English. Sorry, that made him stand out from other people, and that's and that's why I wrote about why that's attributing to his success in TSM. So I wrote about that and I wrote about more like human interest stories because when you write about things in eSports, I think there's two paths you can go down to. And this also kind of relates to any media content, even like video or podcast or podcast is different because then in podcast you can come up with your own topic that doesn't have to be analysis. It can be like you know current events and all that. But the two roads I think you can take in esports content creation is you either go for analysis 
or you go for you go for memes or things like that. Analysis can you know range from like analyzing matches, analyzing players, analyzing teams. You can bring stats, previous stats, previous tournament tournament winnings. Um, you can, if you're talking about a specific player, you talk about how he came to be. Uh, his individual performances. You talk about the meta and how he performed in it, and all that stuff. And the human interest aspect, where you know, example of me talking about Lust Boy's effort to learn English for him to adapt to the TSM, you know, team ecosystem better. That also falls down to kind of analysis because that's an analyzing what the the player is or doing, you know, to stand out from the rest. So there's a lot of things you can write about. For for example, if you want to write up write more analytical pieces, I mean uh, teams are already signing players for Valorant, Valorant, I don't know, and they're recruiting really prodigies in the scene, or they're、um, recruiting, you know, CS:GO players. I know T- SKT or sorry T1, SKT T1. Um, the Korean juggernaut in terms of esports are already signing big name young players to prepare for the, the inevitable Valorant league, and you can write about that. Like, wh-、um, you can write about like who the player is, like how, why would SKT T1 sign him, and like what kind of role he would play. Now, the research that would come down here would be you got to speculate what kind of game Valorant will be in the future,、um, and you got to kind of. Analyze what the player brings to the table, and you kind of got to match, like what does this player bring to the table that will be effective in Valorant. Again, we don't know much about Valorant, but that's where the fun comes in. You can kind of speculate because, because of the fact we actually don't know anything about the game outside of the few gameplay image、um, videos from the alpha and like the, you know, footage we got from、uh, influencers and pros playing on site at the Riot headquarters. Like we can speculate how much we want because who's gonna tell you that you're wrong, right? And like speculations are also a great source of you know the topic you can write about, and that that's why fantasy leagues and like you know betting are so popular amongst esports because you can even if you are let's say you have all the stats. About two teams going at it, for example, each game will start out as zero zero. You don't know how it's end up. You will you can guess how likely it will end up, but you can never correctly guess the end score hundred percent of the time. Another area you can write about is, or make content for is, if you're more of the spectacle type, you can make hype trailers, you can make meme videos, you can make highlights.、Um, personally, I hate. Well, not well, you know what I hate them. Like the most views, most viewed esports videos are not even like esports, but like video game related videos are all like highlights from streamers. Those are the one that get the most views. Now, depending on the esport you want to cover, that's kind of hard because some, if the like the players actually don't stream outside of the actual games. You know, it's kind of hard to make highlights from, and there are thousands and thousands of thousands of YouTubers already making this kind of content. So that's kind of like super saturated. So my recommendation would be, if you are actually want to get 
into like making content for esports, you have to well not have to, but it'll be better if you go start writing stuff or start writing, you know, video essays about the topic you want to talk about. Because highlights you can grab from anyone can grab highlights and edit them. That's only the only limiting factor is that the the market is saturated and you have to be first, or you have have to like already built up a good amount of subscribers to your YouTube channel to actually get effective views. But your opinion is your own, and that is original. And the fact that it's original, it might actually entice some people who might agree with you or might disagree with you, and that creates discourse. And that discourse. Can go viral, and that viral means you get views and clicks. As some of you might know, I actually worked at an esports、uh, media agency, or not media agency, a media company per se. And I was the lead video editor. And one of my tasks was I actually had to come up with different video ideas to make. Basically, a I was brought in to improve current video styles. Basically, they were making highlights at the time, so I had to, you know, kind of experiment and brainstorm how can we make highlights more engaging than what we already have right now, and that goes from like thumbnails and whatnot. To be fair, in that aspect, highlights, I think the best thing you need to have is an eye, the eye to catch correct plays and the correct highlights. You can put as much effect as you want for intros and outros. I find that most people don't care as long as you grab the right plays. But grabbing, making highlight content also falls victim to the market is super saturated. And in the case of Overwatch, if you make highlights on your own channel, Blizzard will crack down on you because they want to keep highlights to themselves because they wanna, you know. Kind of control the monopoly on the highlight views. So let's go back. I said two roads you can take are analysis and spectacle. And this is from my experience with action because the two types of videos that usually got a lot of views and guaranteed at least a hundred k views were analysis videos and the meme videos. I I spearheaded called Actionpedia. I actually lucked out. Well, let's talk about the analysis one first. The most sought-after content on YouTube that gets the most views—well, not the most views, but that gets a lot of views—if you an- analyze a player, that is. So one example of an analysis piece is when Pine from the NYXO. Was being covered heavily by the Overwatch League, so he's always getting a lot of features, and his plays were on like on highlights all the time. They even like gave him the name Big Boss, so they played him a lot on stage and on the broadcast. And we, at the time, Action had a segment called Behind the Action, where we took a play and we analyzed the hell out of it, and we put a lot of production values in that, you know. Like over the top map,、um, specific highlighting around the team,、uh, player and objects and all that fun stuff. We had a really good player at the time, so actually he knew what he was talking about. So the content we made for that got a lot of views, like easily 500k, 
from what like 50k subs we had so that one took off because everyone was talking about it amongst the community like pine was the hot shit like he was the hot topic of at the time and if you actually know what you're talking about in analysis and if you write about that you will get a lot of views but the hardship of analysis is that you actually have to back up your statements if you analyze a play and you say x player did this because of this and if it's if what your if your statement isn't proven by what you see on the screen and you show any supporting evidence like in a bad term you're basically pulling you know opinions out of your ass and that's not and that's basically the same as being a twitter analyst online where they say oh this x player is good because he does this and you say well what's the proof and if they don't have any proof because oh the, only because he does this and this and that analysis is super hard because you actually have to have the game knowledge and or the game sense and or the eye for kind of like get in the player's head like why is that player doing this at the time a player being a good flick shooter you can easily recognize but proper pathing and why a player moved and did this a certain action at the time that takes an eye and can only be achieved if you actually play the game a lot i find now there's a lot you know there's jokes around that certain analysts are you know in league of legends were plat and lower and they're making these like analysis pieces but those haters are actually wrong because they some of these analysts who are plat are now you know coaches and actual analysts for big teams yes you need experience of the game to make proper analysis and find useful things from you know footages and vods but i think you can develop that without being super good at the game if you watched a lot of games again you can still develop a sense for the game you can develop the eye for noticing certain things that normal people might not notice when they view the game you just need time to actually practice that that would be like me who haven't watched CS:GO in like forever and and I barely played the game I only have played it casually writing and like analysis piece of a CS:GO I would never do that because I don't know what's actually happening within the game I don't know the game deep enough to actually support my, my claims that I would have I guess about a match much rather I would have rather focus on the human interest side because those are things that you know I can form an opinion on and actually back up my claims by researching you know previous um, accomplishments and or footages that the players are in and actually get the evidence to do but actual game analysis is not my forte and i know that and i won't even try but if you feel that you know you watch the games a lot and you have you actually know how the game operates in a competitive setting then you might want to go try writing about uh, write analysis pieces or make anal analysis uh, videos if you're new then you should try every area that you can 
But at the same time, you should also you know play to your strength, and that's why I went the human interest route, because the player aspect interested me more than the actual plays themselves. Like for the longest time, I was interested in Korean players coming to NA. And the hardships they went through in terms of adapting to the NA culture, because I went through the same shit. I was a Korean resident before I moved to Canada when I was at a young age, and I barely spoke English at the time. And basically, the relation I my actual experiences of going through what the pro pro players went through gave me a revenue to ask, okay. Like I kind of get what they're going through, and if I research a bit more, I can kind of guess or write content where I can actually tell, you know, people who never went through such like upbringing or like this big shift in their lives, and tell them how hard it is for these players to like go through, because they might not actually understand what the players go through, because some people might just think, oh. They just got a boatload of money, and they're just here to play games. So, like, why aren't they performing so well? Now, that's the analysis side, as far as I can think. You either be good at the game, or have the eye for the game to actually come up with intelligent analysis, and you should write about it. But remember to back up your thoughts, or get horribly bashed by the community who are super unforgiving when it comes to, you know, high-level match analysis. But if you can get it done, or actually putting yourself out there, good analysts are in a great need right now because a lot of teams need analysts to pull the data and or find the information they need so they can the coaches can use them to prepare better you know training or like preparing for different matchups for diff- against different teams and all that. So that's one way you can get your feet wet in esports. Start writing and start analyzing. Now the next one is a bit more tricky because it plays on a sense of humor, and being funny is one of the hardest things you can do in life. You're either funny by nature or you work your way up to be funny. And there's different kinds of funny too. There's like haha funny, and there's also like sarcastic funny, or people who get laughter from like, you know, back then like South Park humor, like toilet humor. Um, I don't want to say this, but like racist humor. Like back in the day, I was like making fun of Asians was a big thing for comedians. But I'm glad we got, we're kind of toning that down. But yeah, being funny. So being funny includes, you know, comedic pieces, videos, or meme videos. Now, when I say meme videos, it doesn't necessarily have to mean like you know popular culture memes. It can be little bits here and there that makes the video more entertaining. So basically, has a more playful tone than a you know very serious, hardcore, and analytical video or piece. Let's take example the thing I gave birth to, the Actionpedias, which to this day is still a weird name. So at the time, we were making a lot of video anal- analytical content and making hype videos. While those are getting views, I thought while、well, I was tasked with like, can you come up with like anything else we can make content for? 
and coming off of a 2D animating job in a university where I made, you know, kind of like low stick, low quality stick figures, kind of animate. I thought, well, why don't I make try animating things? Why don't I create animations to help explain things? And the first idea that came out, I came up with was like, okay, Action Esports. We focused a lot of the Overwatch League content because at the time, Overwatch League was the next big thing in esports. So we primarily focused on that. And a term, there's a lot of terms in the Overwatch League that gets used in the game. Basically, like Overwatch League lingos. So at the time, C9 was used a lot because the whole you know the team not being on the point and they lose because of that. So I thought, okay, a lot of the hardcore people know what C9 means if they follow the scene or other games, but like all these like normies or the people who just got into you know watching esports through Overwatch might not know what that means. So why don't I make explanation videos with you know playful animations to explain that? Because ex- explaining a term like C9 in like a serious tone. Like, why would I don't think I would watch that either? And that's like, why don't I just look up an urban dictionary or something to learn it? Like, if you want to make meme videos or things like that, they need to be entertaining. You actually need to write a script and actually create a flow, which makes it, which makes people to keep watching your videos. People stay, people keep watching analytical videos to the end because you're trying to basically prove a point, and you basically. You know, it's a video essay, a really short video essay from your thesis point, your body, and ending par- ending paragraph. But in terms of entertainment, there is no thesis or anything. Well, the, well, there's still like a point to the videos, but you still need to actually create a flow. But it's the different than the anal- analytical videos. While you're still trying to convey your point to the audience, you still need to make it. You throw like jokes here and there. So in my approach, I was like, okay, how do I make this more interesting? So I thought, okay, we're going with 2D images. We're going with original like 2D vector art. We're gonna take all these like cute arts from the Overwatch League, and we're gonna try to sneak in jokes here and there. And that's how I I like use like GTA death sounds. I actually had to hand craft the the payload that go that song goes on Route 66. I like made that from scratch, and a lot of people appreciated that. And basically. I had to fit in as much as humor as possible into the video, but it was still my sense of humor, which I really liked. Now in that video, I didn't expect to do well because, um, you know, it wasn't an anal- analytical piece, and it wasn't really like a highlight video which we were known for at the time. So I didn't expect much. Maybe I expected like, okay, if I'm lucky, it'll maybe get like ten thousand views or whatnot. So within a week, that thing jumped to a hundred thousand views, and it climbed to, I think, eight hundred thousand. Couple of years, even after, and I'm not sure if it is now, but it is the number one video that comes up if you search what is C9. And personally, I take that to the. That's like a personal accomplishment for me because, like, that was the original content I pitched.、Um, I made it. And published it, and it actually got recognized by a lot of people in the community. 
Unfortunately for me, the Overwatch community decided to split its Reddit forums into the general Overwatch where they only uploaded highlights at the time and the competitive Overwatch League who actually viewed these things. So I don't know, it could have gotten more views, but what are you going to do? And that's why Overwatch League is not as big as it could have been. But that's another story. To wrap up, the reason I'm recording this is because I want to see more content creators making things for esports because I think we are getting a point where things are very stale I like seeing the content that is being made by established content creators I think they're great but I think at the same time that's preventing any new people from jumping in because they know it's hard to get that starting point like your jump, basically your jump off point to get into the esports scene I am not big in any sense of the word and the biggest recognition I have is that I'm being followed by Thorin on Twitter. That's about it. But I still make content because even though I'm burnt out of esports, I still love esports. And if you have the passion to actually, well, if you have passion about esports, like legit passion and not just like, oh, look, it's a new hypest thing then I think actually trying to make content will be worth your time. It might be hard. It might be long hours of making content and not being recognized. But you have to start somewhere. I started out from a bloody site that paid writers based on the views they got. And all the people I know who started out from that site are either now, you know, coaches for teams, even head coaches, and or have worked for ESPN and other big news outlets. Pick a road to go for. You either go for analysis or spectacles if you can't think of a focus that you can kind of strive for in esports. Each rose will have their hardships. Now, whenever I have a hard time making content or kind of get lazy, I always think to myself, you know, because I took the first step, I had the opportunity to actually go places. I actually had, you know, got a job at an esports company. I actually had an opportunity to actually go see Overwatch League live in person. I actually had the opportunity to actually make content for Overwatch League team and actually see how a team operates actually get to know the players and even meet people on Twitter who are like the biggest you know names in esports you just got to take that first step and I'm still grinding away recording these podcasts and planning things that it might not get made or it might not get noticed but eventually someone will run into them and if even one person reads it then that is good enough for me And who knows, maybe I will get lucky and, you know, get recognized by more people. And seeing people recognize your work or have some, a big influencer in the scene, kind of like retweet your work. There are no other bigger satisfaction than that. If you're like a new content creator, kind of makes the entire effort worth it. And hopefully I can take my own message too hard and actually start making content and that does it for this 
edition of the Gaming Blues Podcast, Esports Edition. God, that's a mouthful. Uh, thank you for listening. You can find this podcast on very almost every podcast platform you can think of. Uh, majority ones including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Thank you for listening, viewers. I'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye.